Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Hallelujah. I enjoy, I enjoy declaring the Apostles' Creed every week. I, um, I uh, know I'm connected to, well, formally connected to some uh, prophetic uh, streams. And, uh, uh, you know, when, 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 when prophetic words don't last 18 months, it's nice to declare a word that has lasted 1,700 years. Amen. Amen. You know, like, I, like our faith, like I don't need the prophet of the, of, of the week these days. I'll take 1,700-year-old prophetic word that's still unveiling, un, un, uh, unfurling, un, uh, being revealed over craziness any day. So like my wife said, uh, today is Palm Sunday. Uh, it's a day, we'll talk about this shortly, that Jesus uh, rides into Jerusalem. Uh, Friday is Good Friday, we're going to have communion. We're actually going to live stream it from here, uh, so you can enjoy it at home, uh, or if you're single, or you're, you know, just like being around me that much, you can come join us here. I like it, I like to have you, probably going to have it uh, in, a, in a smaller room than this one, but we may have it here, uh, but you can come, that's at um, 7 o'clock, thank you very much. I don't know when anything is, ever, right? Um, and then uh, next Sunday, of course, is Easter Sunday. Uh, bring somebody, they'll hear the gospel. And uh, the week after that is our anniversary barbecue, where we'll have a short message and big bellies, right? That's what we like to do, right? Short message, big belly. So um, let's get into the word. Uh, you know, um, I, I, uh, I love Jesus, and I love Jesus the longer I know him, the more I love him. Uh, I can say that about my wife, and I can say that about my, um, uh, well, that's pretty much it. And so um, other relationships, you know, they go up and down. You know what I mean? Uh, and, um, but my wife's and my relationship are better. My relationship with Jesus is better. Now, my relationship with Jesus has gone up and down, not because Jesus has changed, but because I have lacked understanding of what Jesus is doing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I have lacked understanding what God is doing. And as I shared a couple of weeks ago, uh, I, you know, I was crying out to God, God, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And in his loving kindness and mercy, he didn't kill me, right? Instead, he manifested himself in the room and said, you don't understand, you're in the midst of me. Like, not, 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 not where, where am I, God? Like, you need to know where you are, Carl. You are in the midst of me. And so we're like, you know, God, God, where are you located? He's like, there's nowhere I'm not located. It's, 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 it's the negation that you uh, misunderstand. You're negating my presence everywhere. Uh, you got to understand where you are. It's not where I am, God says. It's where you are, Carl. And I find in this walk... And I find in our relationship with God, and I find uh, in following Jesus, in reading the Bible, that uh, one of the greatest errors we have is a lack of understanding. Uh, the word says, my people perish for lack of understanding. There's lots of people with zeal, but have no understanding, and so they're incapable of properly having a relationship with God manifest in their lives in a way that's profitable. 
Can you hear what I'm saying? And we want to we wanna be prosperous in all things, even as our soul prospers. I want my relationship with God to prosper. I want my family to prosper. I want my nation to prosper. I want the earth to prosper. I don't want anybody to not prosper. And this is why we want to introduce people to Jesus, so that their lives can prosper. Say amen. Your life is better with Jesus. When you have toxic religion, your life is better without religion, but your life would still be better with Jesus. I don't have time to go down that road at this moment. Uh, but my wife and I had a kind of unique experience this last week. I don't know if you know this about me. Maybe, maybe if you've known me for a little bit, you probably could have guessed it. I'm not exactly a musical theater kind of guy, right? Like just let's go out to musical theater is not exactly how I would spend an evening in the average week. There's people in here who love it. Now, I love good singing. I love people being committed to what they're doing. Um, I don't. I don't denigrate it at all, right? Like, I don't like broccoli. I, I hear there's good broccoli. I don't see how that's possible, but I understand there's people who enjoy it, right? And so there's people in this house who love theater. Uh, but my wife and I went to go see Cats this last week, and here's a little picture of us. There we are, the Playbill at the Broward Center for the Performing Arts. We went to go see Cats. Anybody in here seen the musical Cats? Has anybody seen it? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here's a funny thing about Cats, right? Um, it's, um, okay, so we're watching it, and I'm, you don't have to leave it up forever there, Sonny. It's just, uh, that's us. That's us. Cats. Um, and so so uh, all I knew about Cats is that it was on Broadway for like 35 years, right? So it's probably somewhat good, right? Like somebody thinks it's good, you know, if they watch it for 35 years. And so um, we, went, we went to go see Cats, and uh, again, if you haven't seen Cats, um, let me help you out here a little bit. You're not going to know what the heck is going on, right? Like I, I'm watching, the beginning was kind of exciting, right? Um, what, what, what was the word they kept saying over and over again? Jellical. Jellical, jellical, jellical. I'm like, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. They're singing it well. They're dancing really good. I have no idea what you're talking about. And then I'm sitting there like, there's people around me. I can't surf my phone, right? Because my wife and I watch movies. And I'll just be like, okay, I'm going to have to watch the phone now because I don't know what, and I don't care what's happening, right? So, but, but you can't because you're in the theater. And I'm just, the, the, the singing is amazing and the staging is amazing. I just have no idea what's happening, right? Like I, I literally have no idea what's going on, right? Just none, none at all. And so we're watching it, and, uh, and then I'm like, well, I'm, I guess I'll go to the bathroom, right? And so I go to the bathroom, and I, you know, see what's going on with uh, University of Florida football recruiting, you know. And then I, um, I come back, and I say to my wife, I'm like, this is great. I have no idea what's happening. I have no clue what's happening. I'm enjoying it. I just don't know what's happening. And she says, I think people are introducing themselves. So I was like, oh, God, if the characters are just introducing themselves... And we've been here this long. I literally said, we're going to be here a while, aren't we? <laughs> and so I began to like get in a meditative state. But like, Lord, there's some things we are to endure in life. And I'm going to take this as a spiritual discipline, right? And so then the intermission comes. And we're outside in the intermission. I buy a very expensive pretzel and a bottle of water that was way overpriced, right? And I'm eating it. And I'm like, let me look up what this, what, what's happening. Like, what am I watching right now? And so I look up on Google what Cats is, and it begins to lay out the plot for me. And uh, when I started reading the plot, I was like, oh, these characters are introducing themselves because one of them is going to be transformed into the supernatural realm and be reborn. 
I think you stole that story, but you know, um, but <laughs> I'm familiar with that story. Oh, so we go back after intermission, understanding that different characters are auditioning for the head cat guy to decide who gets born again. I was like, well, that I can understand. So now everybody's singing and I'm acting like, oh, this guy, they're jockeying for position. Someone's trying, oh, now I can enjoy the singing, enjoy the dancing and have some sort of understanding what's happening, right? Like, now I can fully enjoy the full story. Now, I could have invented meanings to each, each scene, right? I could, have, I could have come up with how, how they meant to me, like, oh, this is about the fat cat, and that's about the skinny cat. Skinny cat clearly better than fat cat. Wait a minute, I'm a fat cat. Fat cat's better than the skinny cat, right? Like, we, we, but, but I needed to see what the author of the story meant the story to mean, right? We approach the scripture that way. Like we have no clue what's, what the story the author was trying to tell us. So we pick out scenes that speak to us, fully not understanding what's going on in the story, inventing things, then upset with God that he didn't do what we thought the story said it was supposed to do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So we need to actually be people who learn the word of God, learn the God, don't just learn the Bible, learn the God of the Bible so that we can read the Bible and understand him better. Once I understood the plot of the play, the scenes started making sense. They were part of a bigger story. Once you learn the true God of the Bible, then we can actually understand the stories. We need to, we need to like some of us who are teachers uh, who study words and, and just like letters in a word and the, and, the, and the form, like there's parts of this scripture that you have to understand the tense of the verb of three verses before in order to get it. And it's absolutely true. But... If you know the God of the Bible, you're going to kind of figure most of that out anyways. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so I I want to talk today about um, uh, 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 Palm Sunday, but we're going to take kind of a 9,000 foot view to see the story that is unfolding. Are, Are you good with this? Because we need, gosh, in this day and age, with the church has so many enemies, the, 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 like, Toxic church has polluted the waters for us. And when we talk about Jesus, and we talk about God, and we talk about faith, and the world understands our faith based on the most toxic examples in our culture. And they think that we are connected somehow. And, and only by the mercy of God are we connected, right? Uh, we have to understand the true story of God. So we don't get into these stupid arguments that these people want to have. Are are we good? All right, so let's open the Bible here. Luke chapter 19. We're going to start in verse 28. Famous passage of Scripture. I'm going to read a little bit more Scripture than I normally read, but it's a good story. It said, after Jesus had said these things, remember that. What we're about to read is predicated on some other things, right? After Jesus had said these things, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he approached Bethpage and Bethany near the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you. There, as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. Verse 32. So those who were sent away and found, excuse me, so those who were sent away and found it just as he had told them. 
As they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord has need of it. They brought it to Jesus and they threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he was going there, they were spreading their coats on the road. As soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. Can you say amen to the reading of the word? <clears throat> now this story is not about you. All right, let's, let's, let's get that together. This story is not about me. <clears throat> it's not about you. But I believe today, the Lord is going to provoke in some people today what to expect at the true revealing of who you are. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time. The Lord is going to reveal the goal I believe the Spirit has he wants to let you know what to expect at the revealing of the real you. And I speak this prophetically over this house and over the people in here today. The Lord has visited me and I got a word for you. Tell your neighbor, he got a word for you. Pay attention. <clears throat> Pay attention. <clears throat> now, if you see, like years ago, there was this movie, The Passion of the Christ with Mel Gibson. I don't know if you've seen it. I was in a youth group that loved to drag this thing out. Uh, I was a youth volunteer and I was like, please stop showing Jesus get beat down. Like, this is not helping, right? You, this, is not, this is not helping. But in, 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 if those of you who've had the misfortune of seeing the movie, um, I, I don't recommend it, and here's why. I, I mean, if you want to see it, see it. That's fine. I believe it's completely scripted and cast incorrectly. So the, in, 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 in the Mel Gibson's uh, telling of the story, um, Jesus, of course, is, is the Savior, uh, but there's all these evil people plotting against Jesus to keep him from being Messiah. There's all these brilliant minds who are having tactical plans and, 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 and these forces at work, and Jesus is dodging these forces. And, and I just believe, I, I, just, I, just, I, I think the story is more like, it's like an unfolding of everyday petty jealousies. There's religious fervor and, and political machinations there, there's, um, there, there's these crowd dynamics that happen as people get worked up and start to get really stupid. Crowds, in general, are stupid. People are smart. Crowds are stupid. Right? And so you get these crowds, and crowds got stupid. And, um, and, and they feared the leaders. They feared the police. There's cruelty that we see in, in society today, and there's cowardice and there's confusion and there's uncertainty and and most of all like I said there is stupidity and Paul says that if the rulers of this world had known what they were doing they would not have crucified the Lord of glory so if we were to believe Paul these people didn't knowingly kill the Messiah these people stupidly followed their own desires you, you see the difference we, we, many of us, many of us don't set out to defy the Lord, but we just follow ourselves. 
And if the Lord is truly the Lord of our lives, there is no self to follow. And we all have to come to the reality that we may have confessed that Jesus is supposed to be Lord, but there are areas of our lives that He's actually not Lord. And there's more areas that are not Lord than there are areas that there are Lord, right? And so we all have aspects of our lives that do not reflect our faith. Can you agree and just uncover yourself and say amen? There are areas. And so then we have to live in the reality that we are believers and followers of Christ, not waiting for damnation, not waiting for God to find out that we're not our true selves. But now we got to understand, okay, who am I really? How do I relate to the God who knows my sin and still has not killed me, knew that I would confess him as Lord and would continue to sin, and yet still is preparing a place for me in heaven where there will be no sickness and no sin and will wipe every tear and I'll live in paradise forevermore. Can you say amen? This is the real gospel that we need to recapture today. The devil moves in the sinful heart of people just like Holy Spirit moves upon pure motives. I'm going to say it again. The devil moves in the sinful heart of people just like Holy Spirit moves upon the pure motives. And that's who I want to be. I want my motives to be pure so the Holy Spirit can move in my life. So and we're going to look at this little passion, excuse me, this little uh, Good Sunday narrative, and I'm going to try to get through this because i got a lot to get through. So we want to take some notes. I want you to pray through this. But I believe God is going to do something in your heart today. Chapter before in Luke chapter 18, we have this rich young ruler. And this rich young ruler comes to Jesus secretly at night and says, what must I do to be saved? And you can take that down. And Jesus says, hey, you know, here's all you got to do. Give up your money and follow me. And the dude was like, ah, I'm rich and I don't really want to give up my money to follow Jesus. Uh, side note. I want you to remember that Luke was writing this entire gospel to who? Remember? Theophilus. Let's all say it together. Theophilus. We talked about this. It's, it, Theophilus paid Luke. He was a rich man. He paid Luke to write this book. And time and again, as Luke is writing this story about Jesus, he keeps coming back to, by the way, if you want to be saved, you might not want to hold on to all your money. He's writing this letter to someone, a rich man. And so there's a rich man in Luke chapter 18, and Jesus tells him, hey, you want to you get right with me? You specifically, he didn't say this to everyone, but he said it to this man specifically, you want to be rich? Oh, no problem, give away your money and follow me. And the guy was like, ooh, don't really want to do that. And so he slunk off and uh, did his thing. And so this sets the stage for what's to come in Luke chapter 19. In 19, we see Zacchaeus shows up. Many of you know a story about him, a song about him. Don't sing it, please, right? But he's in a sycamore tree. It's ringing in your head now, isn't it? So Zacchaeus, who happened to be short for some reason, they tell us this story, he is the head tax collector. This is a really big deal. That means like he is the mafia boss, right? He, he, he's, he's like a captain. He has, a, he has the godfather over him, but he's a made man. He has an entire network of people. He is the chief among those robbing his own people. And so as, as the chief tax collector, he, he has some internal issues. Let's, let's read into the script here. Uh, he's a Jewish man 
who is collecting taxes and getting himself rich off his own people. That's important, right? And so we got a couple problems here. We just heard Jesus talk about wealth. So his, his wealth is a problem uh, because his people are, are being oppressed and he is hoarding money at their expense. Uh, and number two, he's got this problem that he's a collaborator with Rome. The people who are oppressing his people. So Zacchaeus here has an identity problem. Jesus sees this, but Zacchaeus has an identity problem. Zacchaeus more identifies with his oppressor than he does the people he is connected to. That's a problem. That's a problem. He has issues of identity and issues of oppression. And so he comes to Jesus, but he can't get there because he's about a midget, right? Like he can't, so he climbs up a sycamore tree, right? He climbs up the sycamore tree to see Jesus. Jesus sees him up the sycamore tree, and, um, and Jesus uh, said, you know, hey, uh, Zacchaeus, why don't you come on down? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat some lunch with you, right? Um, and uh, so Jesus sees this, now, like, I want you to, I want you to, we got to get the story. You have to trust the story of God, and you have to get the story. When you get the story, the scenes make sense. When you get the story, the scenes make sense. So we got Jesus, who is addressing the crowd, getting ready to go die. He knows what's about to happen, right? We're talking a week away from his death. He sees Zacchaeus in the, in the tree. He, all these Jews are out. Zacchaeus, maybe he was in the tree because he was short. Maybe people thought this was a good, good time to give him an elbow to the neck, right? Because he's short, you're in a crowd, crowds are like, well, I can get away with hitting this guy who has oppressed my family. I want to go to the market, I got to give him money. He's taking too much money from me, my family, like this guy is a traitor. I can't, I can't do anything to him because he collaborates with the people who, who have conquered my city, not a popular guy, so maybe he's up there for his own safety, right? Like, he was short, but maybe, maybe he's like, I'm safe in a tree, right? Not among his people. Got himself above them. Jesus says, come down, right? Come down. A prophetic sign of lower yourself. Humble yourself. Come down. I'm going to eat dinner at your house, right? So Zacchaeus is like... <clears throat> the oppressor of the people, identifies with the oppressor, getting himself rich while they're just trying to get by, Jesus' eyes have dinner at his house. What happens? Well, they begin talking about Jesus. They're like, oh, Jesus, oh, oh this is supposed to be your, 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 your rabbi? This is supposed to be your boss? Why? He's eating dinner with a sinner. You think he's holy? You think he's done miracles? How's that possible if he's eating dinner with a sinner in a sinner's house. But watch what happens when Jesus came near Zacchaeus. Let's look at Luke 19, verse 8. It says, Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, behold, that means, check this out for real, for real, right? That's, that's what behold means, right? Behold, look it, look at here, right? Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. Starting to get it right. And I have, if I have defrauded anyone of anything, 
I will give back four times as much. Now, Jesus, come on, somebody. Jesus done called him near. Jesus called him near. Zacchaeus lowered himself, and all of a sudden, the grace of God starts doing in Zacchaeus' heart what a hostile mob never could do. So now Jesus is sitting in Zacchaeus' living room, having some dinner, sitting around the table. I want, you to, I, want you to, I want you to hear this statement and let it unfold in your heart. When you come into your calling, there is going to be warfare over who you really are. Put it up for me. When you come into your calling, there is going to be warfare over who you really are. Because you lived your whole life in reaction to the world and people's expectations and what you think the world wants from you. But the moment the Lord of glory comes into your life, there's going to be some conflict. There's going to be some, some, so there's going to be a little bit of turmoil. There's going to be a little bit of people disappointed that they don't get to run your life anymore. And there's going to be some warfare over what you're supposed to do with it. The world, the world said, no, 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 not Zacchaeus. But look what Jesus said about him. Luke 19.9. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today. Salvation has come to this house because he too, Zacchaeus, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. This is the story of Jesus. You got to get it settled in your heart. He has come to seek and save. Come on, if you want to clap for him, clap for him. He came to seek and save that which is lost. And I'm here to let you know, the world says that your situation is hopeless. But Jesus says today, salvation has come to your house. It may feel like your kids are away from God or your finances cannot recover or the ministry dream has died. But Jesus says today, say today, today salvation has come to your house. That is the word of the Lord over Zacchaeus. The whole crowd had one opinion, but Jesus had another opinion. And you are going to have to decide whose voice will reign supreme over the call on your life. Can you say amen? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. See, there's this war over who Jesus is. There's a war over who Jesus is. And I might step on some toes, but they need to get stepped on a little bit. You can say amen, or you can say oh me. But I'm going to just go in with what the gospel says. Can you say amen? amen. <clears throat> uh, this man named Brian Zahn, you may or may not love him. He's a theologian. He's a pastor. He's got uh, several books out. But he's got this phrase that he repeats everywhere. And uh, he says, every city you go to, <clears throat> every major city, all over the world. He says, I've traveled all over the world. And in every major city in the world, there's a city center somewhere. And in the middle, there's a statue of a man on a horse. In Washington, D.C., we got good old Georgie here, George Washington, sitting on a horse with a sword. Every city in the world, you got a man on a horse come to conquer things. And the world always wanted to put Jesus on a horse to come in and conquer. But that is not who Jesus is. 
Hear me. I'm just, I want to preach the gospel to you. Jesus did something different. Jesus came to turn the world system upside down. I've been to Mexico City. I've been to Managua, Nicaragua. I've been to capital. I've been, I've been to cities all over. There's always a man on a horse. And to them, it's the, this is how we became great. But Jesus' story is a little different. Jesus is coming to town, but not on a horse. Watch this. Luke 19.30. Jesus tells his disciples, Go into the village ahead of you, and there when you enter, you'll find a, a colt, a donkey. A donkey tied on which no one yet has ever sat untied and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, you shall say, the Lord has need of it. Now, don't, 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 don't you find it interesting that Jesus says to them, if anyone asks? If. Like, don't you know? Jesus, don't you know if people are going to ask? Like, what's, what, what's, what's, what's happening? If someone asks, tell them this. Now, Jesus, here's faith. I want you to see what real faith is. Faith is knowing God's outcome. Faith is not knowing how it's going to happen. See, in your life, you're, you're dictating how, not what. You're, you're prophesying how. You're not prophesying what. You, you, you're, you're prophesying who is going to say what to who, to line up what, and you're disappointed that they're not all falling into place, but you don't need none of them. You just need to know what God wants and watch God do his thing. He's amen. People are like, man, I need a car. And I need, no, 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 no. Don't tell me what money you need. or that, you, know, you just need a car. Let the Lord know. He can bring you a car however he wants. Oh, I need to, I want to do, we'll just bring that before the Lord. Let the Lord figure out the how. You be faithful to what God tells you to do. And so these guys, he's like, if, look, I know I'm going to ride in on a donkey. And I don't even know that Jesus knew how it would happen. That's not blaspheming. That's, we just see time and again, Jesus asks the Father. Father tells him what to do. He tells him, hey, if anybody tells him, anybody asks you, what, what are you doing with the donkey? Now, somebody owned the donkey. Like, it's a farm animal, and they needed it. They're probably not trying to give it away. That's why they got it tied up so it doesn't get away. And the guys come up, and they're like, hey, we're just going to take this donkey. He doesn't say, ask permission. I want you to watch this. This is important. He doesn't say, go ask somebody if you can use their donkey. Go get the donkey where I said it is. And if they ask you why you're getting the donkey, let them know you're following me. Why? Because God is working in that man's heart to let them know the Lord, that, that donkey that you got there, it's an offering for the Lord. Some of the things that we hold on to that we thought the Lord brought us for us, it's for him. And we can't get the thing we really want because we're holding on to the thing that was really for him. And we're locking up our own blessing by hoarding the little bit we got, scared that God won't bring us what he really has for us. So we're holding on to our little bit when God's like, if you'll just let go of that little bit, I can bring you this thing, but you can't get that thing as long as you're holding on to this thing. We need to follow God. Say amen. We need to follow God. So he's like, hey, man, I really like this thing, but God's like, give it away. You're like, I don't want to give it away. He's like, that's up to you. Do what you want. You could be God or I could be God, but you're going to have to decide who's going to be God. Oh, me. You can say amen or oh, me. It's up to you. But we have to decide, am I giving this thing to Jesus or am I going to be the God of my future? We're talking about faith right now. Am I going to trust what the Lord has told me is going to happen? Or am I going to trust in my ability to make it happen? I feel like I'm preaching right now, somebody. I feel like I'm preaching better than you're talking back to me. I'm activating some faith in your life right now. If you will get this in your spirit, man. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. So he said, if, if anybody asks you, tell them the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent were, went away and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, the owner said, why are you untying my, my horse? Like, like what, wait, what, what's happened? They said, the Lord has need of it. Well, yeah, what do you know? It worked. Just did it the way God said. What do you know? Like we tried everything else. How about we just pray and ask Jesus and do it the way Jesus said to do it? You done tried everything else. Let's try plan D. Ask God, right? So they asked God, do it this way. He did it. So, you know, so they get this colt, the Bible says, a young colt, uh, and, they, and they threw their coats on top of it. All kind of prophetic symbolism in that. Don't have time for it. <clears throat> so verse 1935, uh, they brought it to Jesus, the colt, and they threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. Like, they don't put Jesus on the coats on the colt. They're like, we're going somewhere, right? So people, as he's marching in, as you, as you come, wow, towards Jerusalem, down the Mount of Olivet, it's extremely steep. I've walked it myself. I have video, not bragging. Me and about a billion other people have done it. Uh, but you walk down this very steep road. You have the Mount of Olives. Uh, on your right now, there's a very large cemetery. On your left, I believe it's the Armenian Cemetery that's right there on the left side, but... Um, you come down this very uh, uh, steep, steep hill coming down uh, towards the base of the Mount of Olives. <clears throat> Verse 37, he says, As soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen, shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed in heaven. And glory in the highest. Hallelujah. Now listen. <coughs> I'm not sad. I inhaled water. <laughs> Hallelujah. <coughs> I got so excited. I'm like, oh, swallow them, breathe, Carl. Swallow them, breathe. <clears throat> Listen, so Jesus is riding down this donkey. People are throwing their coats at his feet. <clears throat> Why they were throwing, I have several theories. It's irrelevant to what we're talking about now. But when the anointing, watch this, when the anointing of the Holy Ghost comes upon your life, you won't know why you're doing what you are doing. You don't know where you are going, but you know God is out there somewhere. And you know he has given you a couple steps to take. And you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get to the dream he has given me, but I do know the next three steps. And I'm going to take those next three steps. I'm not waiting for him to tell me step four or step 12 or how I'm going to get it. And so these people, they don't know that Jesus is the Messiah, the suffering servant who has come to die for the sins of the world. They do know they're expecting a rescuer. They do know they're expecting a Messiah. So he's throwing, they're throwing their coats on the road. We don't know if they've done that for all the people visiting because they're coming for the Passover feast. We don't know if they did it for him or for everyone. We don't know if they did it for Jesus because he's Messiah or they're thankful for the mirror. We don't know. But what I believe
believe is the anointing of God was upon Jesus. And it began to move in people. It moved in the owner of the donkey who said, I don't know why, but I'm going to give away my prized donkey. Now me, I'm like, that's my donkey. Don't, what? what? I don't think so, right? But the anointing of God came upon him and they just gave away the donkey. And the donkey's riding down and they're throwing their coats. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, you know, and, 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 and Jesus is, is, is just moving down and the anointing is beginning to increase on his life. And I just, I wonder what the anointing was like in that day as he was being prepared for his sacrifice and burial. And all these people begin to shout out his true identity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But you remember Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had those two voices, right? There was the voice that was saying, what, 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 that sinner? Why, what would Jesus got to do with that sinner? What's he, but, there was, but there was others' voice, the voice of God that said, salvation today has come to your house, right? So now we got, we got Jesus riding down on the donkey, and we got the people yelling out a voice. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, Jesus, like we know, there was other voices also speaking at the very same time. Verse 39, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. <clears throat> they were after his identity. They were after his true calling. They, 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 they were after what he was really born to do, and they wanted their voice to override any other voice in his life. They wanted to put an identity on Jesus that the Father never put on him. They wanted the authority to determine what his success looked like. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to tell you, when you come into your calling, there is warfare over who you really are. Let you hear from God and let somebody know that you're going to make it. I guarantee you, your auntie, whoever going to come up and let you know, but well. <clears throat> come on. People never been faithful to God in their whole lives got a word of prophecy about your future, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, don't put all your hope in that. Well, you got hope in nothing but you, and I seen you. I'm good. Thank you. I'll take the God of the resurrection. Thank you very much. Come on, somebody. I'm, 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 mm -mm. You come into your calling, there's going to be some warfare. Jesus coming down this little hill. You got two voices crying out. One saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The other one saying, come on, tell them to be quiet, Jesus. Or what? Or what? Or what? Right? I mean, they're, they're, they're quoting Zacchaeus. They, I mean, excuse me. They're quoting Zechariah 9, the prophecy about the Messiah. Zechariah 9, 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble, mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You see, the, the prophets of the Old Testament 
brought the word of the Lord to Jerusalem, but the religious could never hear it. But Jesus, the word of the Lord, was coming to Jerusalem now on a donkey, and they couldn't get it because they were waiting for a man on a horse who's going to slay people. But the Bible said that he would be coming in on a donkey lowly, but they didn't want the word of the Lord. They wanted the other voice, the voice that I don't have to change. God's going to have to change to match what I want. It's going to happen the way I think it should happen. And sometimes God is moving in our life and he's saying, if you will just take the humble approach, if you will just be a little more quiet, if you will just allow them to run their mouths, you'll see their destruction and your elevation. You'll see where it leads them and you'll see where it leads you to follow God. You need to discern the voices in your life that are not just trying to give you advice. They're trying to dictate the call and identity on your life. They're trying to make you as miserable as them. They're trying to make you as twice the son of Satan as the Bible says as they are. They've, they're, they're giving their lives to sin. They want you as well because the conviction of God is on their life because the faith that you walk in. Come on somebody. Because you're walking in faith. Because you have resurrection life on them. Just because you have the living one on the inside of you, Holy Ghost of God baptized, speaking in tongues, prophesying to the future. You get around them and something in them begins to get stirred up and they don't know what to do with it. So they want to kill the one carrying the anointing that's bringing the thing out of them that doesn't please God. There's two voices. You better know where your identity is based in somebody. I feel like this is a prophetic word for this house and for some people in this room today. Jesus is riding down. The, ah, just, just thank him right now. I just feel the whole noise. Just thank him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. No, no, no. Really thank him right now. Thank you for the voice in my life. Thank you that you have a voice. Come on, somebody. Thank you for speaking into my life. Thank you for not giving up when I listen to the lie. Thank you when I got discouraged, you stay encouraged. Thank you when I was not faithful, you remain faithful because you cannot lie. Just thank him for a second. Just thank him for a second. Just thank him. Oh, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. 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 While Jesus, come on. While the world is trying to control everything around it to look respectable, the salvation of man is riding in on a donkey. Come on, somebody. They're singing Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But I want you to see this so we can know the tricks of the devil. They're singing Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But the psalm of peace and identity brings anxiety. The crowd is anxious. The disciples are anxious. Jesus wasn't anxious. Who knows what the donkey was doing? Sometimes you get the word of the Lord and you begin to stand on it and all hell breaks loose. And you're like, maybe, maybe I missed it. No, no, no. The psalm of peace comes against the psalm of the lie. And there's a little bit of warfare that'll happen over who you really are. Who you really are. Jesus lived with it his whole life. People had a plan for him his whole life. He's like, but you're not the author of my life. That already got settled a long time ago. There is warfare over the identity of Jesus. And let me tell you, there is warfare over the identity of who you are. But Jesus knew the voice of his father. He tells the crowd, verse 40, I tell you, if these become silent, 
the stones will cry out. Now, this area is just rocks everywhere. Jerusalem is, is basically desert. It's just rocks everywhere. If you want to stone people, if I, go, if I, if I have to stone somebody, I've got to go to Lowe's first, right? Like, I've got I to go buy some bricks or something because I don't have stones, right? Like, fortunately, we don't have that for church discipline. It would, it, it would be a very, it might be a very present help in time of need. I've got to be honest with you. But, but, uh, we, but um, we, we don't do that <clears throat> because we don't have that many stones around, maybe. I don't know. We just got to put out Facebook messages and YouTube videos, right? Like, well, God, I don't have them. But, uh, but then there were stones everywhere. It was really easy, right? You just stone people, right? Like, we're, I, got a guy, I got a problem. Kill him. <laughs> Solved, right? <laughs> don't, have to, don't have to worry about passive aggressive, uh, you know, social media posts. It's done, right? Just done, <laughs> right? But Jesus, this is, this is important. Jesus tell them, if these stone, if I don't, if they don't worship me, the stones will cry out. He's trying to, he's even reaching out to the Pharisees. You do not understand what you are saying here. You have an identity. You are part of this as well, but you are missing it. He's like, if you won't cry out, listen, God's going to get his worship. God's going to get his worship. It might as well be from your life. Come on, somebody. He, 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 he dwells, he makes his habitation upon the praises of his people. And if he's going to dwell somewhere, it might as well be in your life. You might as well praise him. You might as well praise what he's doing even when you don't like it so you can get that habitation because God is going to get his praise one way or another. So Jesus, hey, if you don't cry out, the stones will because Jesus has been ready for this his whole life. He was made for this. And all the signs have been pointing toward this. Remember at the Mount of Transfiguration, he goes up there and got a couple of his disciples and he gets transfigured into a glorious state. And Moses is there and Elijah. Moses is there and, 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 and he says, he says uh, that the Bible says that Jesus says that he is there preparing for his exodus. Exodus. Moses. There is a prophetic symbolism in that, but a very foretelling of the future. Just as Moses led the exodus of his people out of oppression, Jesus says, I'm preparing for my, he's telling Moses, I'm preparing for my exodus. He's leading his people, those the followers of the Messiah, out of their oppression into the promised land of salvation. Come on, somebody. For those who will have faith in Jesus Christ will be separated from the world and joined to God far better promised land. So he made this entire journey. Remember, he goes all the way to Galilee. He marches around, and now he's coming into Israel. Put it up, Sonny. He's riding on a colt, riding on a little donkey. Not a conquering king with a sword in his hand and a horse that's going to go murder people. No, nah, a lowly servant, suffering servant. Come on. I know some of you feel like as you're coming into God's call, you thought it would be a little more glorious. Can we just be honest? You thought the prosperity would come with a little more ego and fame. You, right? You, you, you thought that it would come with a bag, right? You thought that it would come with some shoes or a watch, and you thought that you would get the come up. But here's how Jesus got the come up right here. He's riding on the donkey. We got to understand the story. If we don't understand the story, then we'll think that God disappointed us because the devil has... Mm, watch this. Oh, watch out now. See, the devil's got another story for you. And what the devil tries to tell you is, if you want to come into God's real plan, believe the devil's story. You're going to get rich and famous, and you're going to have some half-naked women around you, and you're going to be Instagram famous. And Jesus is like, man, I'm like, what? That don't look nothing like me. See, the enemy is crafting you. He's got a story for you as well. And God is like, you need to quit 
trying to match the world's story and match my story and watch what I do in your life. I'm telling you, there's people, come on somebody, ain't got but 12 followers on Instagram are leading a million people in salvation in Pakistan right now. There's people that you've never heard of that are marching throughout Afghanistan, got revivals happening in the midst of the Muslim world. You ain't never heard of them. You're not going to know them until you get to glory in heaven. There are people right now funding uh, uh, orphanages in Africa that you don't know nothing about, but there are 400 kids that call them mama and daddy. Come on, that heaven knows all about. We got to stop lowering what we think is successful to just simply what the world can think of. Come on, we need, we need, a, we need, a, we need better imaginations. Come on, remember we talked about this. It's a, it's a failure of imagination to think that the world gets to decide what success is. We need to think a little more creatively like God does. That, that success, riding on a donkey, all these people laying their coats. So he comes. I'm, fin- I'm, I'm coming to an end here. So <clears throat> he comes and comes down, and as you come down the Mount of Olives, there's, a, there, there, there's you, and then there's the, the valley, the, the Kidron Valley, and then you can see the, the, the temple there off in the distance. You see old, what we call Old Jerusalem. They just called it Jerusalem, right? Because it wasn't old yet, right? And so he's um, looking at Jerusalem. Come on up, team. <clears throat> he's looking at Jerusalem, and, uh, and he begins to cry. I want you to think about this. If, if you read the Bible how important Jerusalem is to God. Like, it was his promise to the people. Like, they're like, they're like if we could just get a king, then, then God we will. And God's like, fine. If, that, if you want to limit me to that, I'll operate within that. Let that sit for a second. If you want to limit me to that, I'll operate within that. Dream bigger. And so he, he, he fulfills his covenant, but they don't. They don't stay faithful. So you got Jerusalem. He's looking at it. And the Bible says he... He starts to weep. He says, if you had known in this day, verse 42, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they've been hidden from your eyes. Just like those Pharisees crying out, make them stop, make them stop. Jesus like, man, I came to bring real peace. And the Bible says he, he weeps over Jerusalem. We see... Jesus weeps twice in the Bible, once when his best friend Lazarus died. The Bible says Jesus wept, and I can imagine what it would take to provoke the God of all hope to cry, right? Second time he cries in the Bible, he cries over a man, he cries over a city. He cries over Jerusalem. Jerusalem, man. I wanted to, like, like, like under my wings, like a hen, I wanted to protect you, I wanted to raise you, I wanted to nurture you, but... But you didn't listen. You wouldn't follow me. Now Jesus, of course, knew. He knew. If you do not, it's like Jerusalem, you gave up your real identity. The rich young ruler gave up his identity because he thought it was in money. And he lost out. And the Pharisees mocking Jesus being at the home of Zacchaeus couldn't come into their real identity because they could not discern what God was doing. And the Pharisees on the side of the road gave up their real identity because people shouldn't worship you. They should follow us. Jesus knew because they gave up their real identity very soon 
that city is going to be completely destroyed. If you follow the war in Ukraine, you see Russia's war plan. It did this in Syria. It's doing it now in Ukraine. They don't go to conquer. They come to destroy. They're leveling the country. They're like, no one will live here. And then, well, that's what happened to Rome. That's, this is what happened, excuse me, this is what happened to Jerusalem. This is what Rome did. It just completely leveled. It, it, Jesus knew this was coming. That not one stone will stand on top of another. He wasn't just talking about the temple. He's talking about the city. We will make this flat so no one can live here anymore. this, This story is not about me and it's not about you. But it does apply to us. You let the enemy's voice dictate who you are. You let the enemy's voice dictate the call on your life. You let the devil have that kind of authority in your heart. He's going to level everything that God called you to live in. None of it, none of it will be habitable. There will not be a single place for your real call to live in. Instead, you'll be living in rubble, crying out, where are you, God? What happened to the God of Israel? When you come into your calling... There's going to be warfare over who you really are. Jerusalem had an identity. This is the house of God. In it shall be the temple. The temple is on a, on a, on a, on a hill. In a great courtyard. And there's this outer courtyard. And then there's the inner courtyard. Then there's the Holy of Holies. And this entire edifice is built around the holy of holies and that will be the dwelling place of God. And it's where God will meet man. This was the purpose of Jerusalem not this oppressed vision where you cooperate with your oppressors and you pervert your religion and you exploit your own people for your own benefit. And Jesus said we had an identity for you but you didn't want to live in it. And so Jesus knew here in Holy Week, he knew that he was going to be sacrificed. He was going to be tried in that temple. And he will be the Passover lamb for the people of God. But Jesus, who is our high priest, knows what it takes for a real sacrifice to happen in the temple. They've been killing animals for a long time there. But Jesus is like, man, the, the, the temple has to be holy before there can be a real sacrifice that's pleasing to God. So Jesus goes in the temple. We see verse nine, excuse me, verse 45. He enters the temple and began to drive out those who were selling, saying, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer. You've made it a robber's den. People want all kind of things about what that means. Jesus was getting the temple ready for his sacrifice. That's what that's about. That's what that's about. We're going to clean it out of whatever you made this into. And for once... There's going to be a holy sacrifice here. And it is going to change the world. You say amen. I'm here to let you know two things. Number one, there is warfare over who you really are. And God is cleaning house in the church in America. I can only speak to America. This is where I live. God is cleaning out the house 
of those who would use the house of God to fulfill their purpose instead of God's purpose. God is coming and He's saying, it is time for a reconciliation. He's putting together, I see Him in the corner, getting a little rope and tying some knots in it and say, I'm going to clean this thing out because it's got to be about Jesus and the sacrifice on the cross and the salvation of man and the real call on the Son of God to bring people from darkness to light. And if you make it into something else, I'm going to have to drive it out because there's too many people using the house of God to become rich. There's too many people using the house of God to become popular. There's too many people using the house of God to get powerful. And Jesus says, I am coming with my rope and I am cleaning this thing out and I will bring a holy sacrifice that will bring people into the promise of God. Say amen. Amen. Come on, stand with me if you would. Can you thank Jesus? Thank you, Lord. He's cleaning house somebody. Come on. He's cleaning house in your house. He's cleaning house in my house. He's cleaning house in Revival Life Church. And he's cleaning house in our hearts. Pray in the spirit if you've got a prayer language. I want you to come away with this with two things. Hey, Shakaba. Two things. Primarily, I want you to understand what this whole week is about. And I want you to be mindful of it this week. I want you to be mindful of the God who loves people so Listen. Oh, Jesus. Yes, I hear you, Holy Spirit. Listen, you don't know I'm talking to you. You think you're here for some other reason, but I'm, 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 I'm here to talk to you, to tell you. Jesus says that he needs to be the God of your life this week. Now listen, a religious spirit is just whispered in some of your ears about why you're not worthy and what you're doing wrong. That's not identity, that's behavior. Change your behavior. That's, that's what you're doing. That's not who you are. I'm going to say that again. That's not who you are. That's what you're doing. Now, if you're doing things you shouldn't be doing, just clean that up. But that don't change who you are. You might be coming out of addiction. You might be coming out of stupidity. You might, you might have it all together, but you think that you got it all together. This week, we are desperately in need for God's grace. We are desperately in need for Jesus to be the king of our lives. We are desperately in need to come down out of our sycamore tree and come close to Jesus so he could tell us. Salvation has come to your house today. Number two, I want you to get that, come on, your identity is coming back to life. Some of you buried something in the backyard that you would unheld precious for a long time, but it hurt to look at it. It hurt to dream about it. It hurt to think that it could happen because you put your fingers all over it and you didn't even know that you didn't even look at the, the call of God anymore. All you saw was your own fingerprints. And that's what disappointed you, your own ability to get it together. But this week, if you'll come down out of your tree, get off your horse, put down your sword, Get on the donkey. Let some people, come on somebody, let some people talk bad about you. And focus on what God has said. Your real identity will come to pass. 
Oh, geez. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I feel right now, pray in the Holy Spirit if you've got a prayer language. Somebody in this room needs to tell Jesus, come on, you're the Lord of my life right now. Somebody in this room right now needs to say, Lord, I'm, I, I, I've been doing it. I'm the Pharisee. I, I'm the one who told the people to be quiet about you. I'm the one who wasn't following and thought people got it wrong. I think I'm doing it right, but I'm here. The Spirit of God is here to convert your heart to be a Christ follower. Come on, pray in the Spirit. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray with your own mouth. Nobody can hear you. Music's going on. You say, Jesus, I give up and I make you God. Jesus, I give up and I make you God. You want to be successful? Jesus, I give up and I make you God. You want to get out of addiction? Jesus, I give up and I make you God. You want to hear God? Jesus, I give up and I make you God. You are God and I am not. Just say it out loud. Jesus, you are God and I am not. Come on, somebody. Listen. If you pray that prayer, somebody wants you to fill out a card and we'll get you some free stuff, but let me give you a shortcut. Come to church every week, read your Bible and talk to Jesus, all right? We got more teaching than that, but come to church every week, read your Bible, talk to Jesus. Come on, sit under the preached word. But I want us to declare, listen, listen, God is good and he's not going to let you down. You hear what I'm saying? Because he's got a plan. Your plan may fail, but his plan will never fail. Can you say amen? We're going to sing this. Pick up the speed for me. We're going to sing this out loud. Come on, sing it. You're never going to let, you're never going to let me down. You're never going to let, never going to let me down. You're never going to let, you're never going to let me down. You are good. Come on. so good. us to be. I pray in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ 
that people will separate the what from the who and they would have it settled in their heart who they are in Christ Jesus and they would reject every voice that tries to uh, identify them in the opposite tries to categorize them in the opposite but they would walk this week protecting the identity of God in their lives in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all God's people said amen give a clap offering to the Lord listen I'll see you online Friday night I'll see you Easter Sunday bring somebody who needs to hear that God is alive that Jesus Christ is resurrected from the grave and let somebody know we got invitation cards in the lobby give somebody a hug go to lunch with somebody be blessed amen amen